following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I do love this man. Let's love on Pastor Rex and Patty. The Johnson family. Sometime I want to, please be seated. Sometimes I want to come and just tell you some Johnson stories. Some Pastor Jay stories. Because uh, in hindsight, I, did, I was privileged to serve him. I was 21, so I had a lot to learn. But in retrospect, he was just a few years older than me. And uh, my goodness, what we did as youngins, as he would say, as youngins in, in the state of Louisiana, it was phenomenal. But this man impacted my life greatly. And then, of course, I knew he was smart whenever he married up and married my sister. So... Uh, Great taste in women, uh, great taste in assistants, I think, and just, uh, but just, you folks are blessed with some of the finest leadership, Pastor Jay, Pastor Brad, this whole team, wonderful, wonderful people, and if I can't preach to my home church, my second most favorite place to be is Christian Life Church. I happen to think you're some of the finest people. Yeah, Austin's weird, but you're great. You're great, yeah, yeah. So it is always an honor to be on this stage and to preach here. And um, I know anyone who would come here to preach would tell you they, they raise their game because you hear week in and week out some of the finest preaching. You're spoiled. Has anyone told you that lately? As my mother would say, spoiled rotten. Spoiled rotten with great, great preaching. So every once in a while you need this. Years ago, I didn't tell this in the other ones. Years ago, I was 19 before I went to work for Pastor Jay. I was a single guy in Odessa, Texas, working at a church. Uh, the pastor's name was J.T. Pugh, just a legend in Pentecost. And I was at his church, and his son, Nathaniel, was telling me, he said, Dad does this thing. He said, ever so often, he feels like the church gets too used to what they have. And they don't realize what they have. So they need to appreciate what they have. So he said, every so often, Dad will bring in a guy that's not that good. <laughs> hadn't preached that much. And lets them preach a Sunday night. And it kind of lets the church realize, hey, we got a good thing going. <laughs> and I was like, wow, wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. And he said, oh, oh, by the way, Dad wants you to preach next Sunday night. So, <laughs> true story. So I knew my role is just to let the people know how blessed they are. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you're visiting, come back Easter. Yes. Pastor Jay will be preaching Easter weekend, and it's going to be fantastic. It will be fantastic. I am honored to be here, and I thank you guys for the hospitality, and I do love this church. This is Palm Sunday, and I did preach here last year. I'm going to tell you, it's not easy. Uh, the, the, you would think Easter and Christmas would be easy. Last year, I was talking to our media team, and they said, what's going to be the theme for Easter? And I said, I don't know. He got up. And, and I just said it in passing. He got up. And because, you know, that's ultimately what we're going to preach is Jesus got up. And the next thing I knew, literally, they met me. It was a new guy. and said, so here's our media campaign for he got up. And I was like, well, I didn't really mean that was going to be the theme. I was just saying that's the end of the story. So. But Palm Sunday, what's, what about today? Because we're beginning Holy Week, starting today, going through next weekend. Next weekend is the equivalent of the Super Bowl, but for Christians and here's the backside, we win. So we already know. 
It's fixed. It's more than the Patriots. We're going to win every year at the Super Bowl of Christianity. Every Easter we win because he lives. We can always face tomorrow. But this weekend is called Palm Sunday. And uh, Jaron was asking me earlier in the week for media, what, what do you want to call your sermon? And I, I, I decided we're going to call it Palm Sunday. And, and I'm not going to preach real long. I told the other crowd, like one of the Kardashian girls told her, her husband, I won't keep you long. I'm just going to, just want to, just kind of, just want to jump in and share something. Here's what I love about God. God, he's not just your God. He's not just your savior, but scripture says he is the author and the finisher of our faith or the author and the perfecter of our faith. What I love about him being the author is he always gets the final word. The author is the one putting together the story. And, and, and that's what Paul understood in second Corinthians when he wrote and said, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. He always leads us in triumph. So whatever you're facing right now, whatever you brought with you to church today, if you will stay in the story and if you do not write yourself out of the story, if you stay with God, he will always lead you into triumph. And that means if you're not triumphing now, it's not the end of the story. You got to stick with the story. You got to stay Stay in character and, and stick with him because he always leads us in, the, in triumph. And I, I love that. I love that about God, that he is the author, the perfecter, and he weaves, and he's poetic in his timing, and he never wastes a thing. He doesn't miss a moment. Everything, it's just phenomenal. And, and I've, I've grown up, I'm a, I'm a fourth generation preacher. I'm a third generation Pentecostal preacher. I've been in and around. I've, I've been raised with some of the best. I have, I have heard preaching and, and, and there are things like Palm Sunday where you think, well, I don't know what, what, what can I do? But I, I believe it's like looking at a, through a kaleidoscope and you hold it up to the sun and you think, well, I see it all. There it is. Uh, that's Palm Sunday, that's Easter, that's what it has to do. But then you, you give it a quarter turn and everything changes and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I had not seen that. that that's, a, that's a new thing. And with God, we just never figure it all out. That's the mystery of him that makes it so phenomenal. We're still learning and, and experiencing new things, new things about him. You know, he's not tapped out on creativity. He didn't just have seven good days and then say, I'm I'm out. He's a creative God and and he's still creating. And and that's what I see in the story here. Palm Sunday, the day in which Jesus made what we call his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, riding on the back of a donkey that had never been ridden. And it's it's an exciting story. It was a celebrated story, but it was a misdirected celebration. But I want you to remember, God never waste a moment. He, he recycles. God is the ultimate recycler. Whatever, whatever you're going through, he'll take it. You, you bring him your ashes and he'll recycle it and give you back beauty. You, you bring him your sorrow and he'll convert it into, into joy. You bring him your mourning and he converts that into dancing. He, he's the ultimate recycler. That's what he does for us. You come to him as a, as a sinner and all jacked up and he just recycles and then out of you any person in Christ is now a new creation 
Old things passed away, all things become new. I love that. The author, the perfecter. And I'm saying that because you've got to really appreciate the excitement of this day, Palm Sunday. So John 12, 12 is where we pick up. It says, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover, everybody say Passover. Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. They say timing is everything. And Jesus did not haphazardly decide today seems like a good day to get on a donkey and ride into Jerusalem. It it wasn't accidental. I love that. God never wastes a moment. He doesn't waste any of your moments. He doesn't waste a hurt. Your quiet, still moments. He's working. While you're sleeping, he's working. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He he doesn't waste a moment. And, And this... This wasn't haphazard. It wasn't coincidental that this is the moment he chose to fulfill Zechariah's prophecy that you just heard. It was Zechariah 9.9. So centuries before that Zechariah had declared, Rejoice, O people of, of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Now, you said with me the word Passover. It was at the time of Passover. And Passover was an annual feast in which they celebrated and commemorated the first Passover. They celebrated their exodus out of Egypt. If you've been around church any amount of time, you know that story. That, And if you're not familiar, next week on Sunday, one of the big three networks, ABC, CBS, or NBC, will play the story, The Ten Commandments, starring Charlton Heston. It's funny, it has nothing to do with Easter, but they always play it on Easter Sunday. So, so watch it and watch Charlton he, and see him do Moses. But anyways, so Exodus' story is the, the nation of, Egypt, of Israel, the people of Israel are in bondage. They're enslaved. They're living in Egypt. They're, they're living as sub-citizens. They are Uh, being uh, tormented and beaten and the workload is ridiculous and God says, I've seen enough, it's time for them to go. And you know the story, he sends Moses. Moses goes before Pharaoh, who he grew up with, and he looks at Pharaoh and says, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh responds, it's not happening. So it's on now. It's God against Pharaoh. And God brings nine plagues against Egypt. And those plagues happen, and every time Pharaoh bends, and he bends, and he bends, but he just doesn't break. He bounces back and says, never mind, no, no, I'm not going to let the people go. So comes the tenth plague, and the tenth plague has to do with the death of the firstborn. God says, I'm bringing judgment now. The death angel is coming, and the death angel will visit every single house. And when the angel comes to your house, if you have not applied the blood of a lamb to your house, to your doorpost at the top and the side, if you have not taken a hyssop branch, dipped it into the blood and painted it onto your house, then when the death angel comes, there will be judgment. But where the angel sees the blood of a lamb, he will pass 
over that house. And thus they began Passover. And God said, I know you people, you'll forget. You'll forget what I've done. Let me tell you a hint. If you start getting judgmental, you've forgotten what God's done for you. When you you become a consumer at church instead of a worshiper, you've forgotten what God has done for you. So... So every, so often we need a Passover to remember, wait a minute, I was born in sin, I was shaping in iniquity, I was a three-time loser, and then I walked into Christian Life Church. Well, I got, I got to remind myself. So it's Passover. Now they commemorate it every year. Every year they go to Jerusalem to have the Passover feast. The feast is lamb. The feast is lamb. So that's the setting. You've got to appreciate that because the author, the perfecter, doesn't waste a moment. Everything is a setup. Everything is on point, on time, for a reason. The blood of a lamb saved us. We honor that every year with Passover. And I'm sharing that because you that's vital to our text because I read to you in John 12, 12, that the news of Jesus coming hit Jerusalem and the scripture says there was a large Passover crowd. So every Passover, people came to Jerusalem. Now, they estimate that at the time of this story, there were about 50,000 citizens who lived in Jerusalem. But at Passover, about 200,000 people would come to town. Can you say South by Southwest? All of a sudden, the streets are full. Every inn is full. The Airbnbs are booked. Every, everybody's slammed. There, there's a long line at every restaurant. Literally, it was, it was crazy. It was insane. If you've been to Destin, it's 30A. It is lined up car after car after car. That's, that's what's going on here. Everybody's coming to Jerusalem. Everybody's coming in for Passover. Everybody's coming in. And that means the temple's getting ready, said. Here comes everybody because it's Passover. We're going to commemorate Passover, which is sacrificing lambs. We're going to have to offer lambs. So, so they're getting ready because, I'm going to just tell you this. I'd much rather be a New Testament priest than an Old Testament priest. Because a New Testament priest, we believe one lamb died and we're covered. Old Testament required a lot of lambs dying. In fact, a priest's job was to show up. They started about 9 o'clock, and then they would begin and go from 9, and they would end at 3, and all day long they are cutting throats and sacrificing animals. That's called priesthood in the Old Testament. Not a lot of people were feeling that call because uh, it's a different kind of call. It's more like a butcher's shop. It was, it was a hot mess. It was bloody. It was gross. It was, it was tough work, just offering sacrifices day in, day out, day in, day out. So now they're saying... They're coming. Everybody's coming in. It's, it's Passover. We've got to get ready. But, but they're bringing lambs, or if they're not bringing a lamb, they're bringing a dove. If they can't afford a dove, they've got a grain offering. But see, as, the, as they grew, as the civilization grew, and as, as everybody got a little more sophisticated, not everybody had a lamb. Not everybody wanted to travel with a lamb. So the temple said, this will be a fundraiser. We've got a good idea here. It's not going to be a bake sale. We're not going to do peanut brittle. We've we got a better idea. We can sell lambs. So what will happen is people will come in. They can travel without their lamb, get to Jerusalem, and then buy their lamb. 
and they can purchase their lamb, and uh, that's good for the temple. We're going to be in good business. We're making money. They're happy because it was convenient for them, and we're going to be all right. So they had to find lambs. Well, five and a half miles out of Jerusalem is another town uh, called Bethlehem. You've heard of it. Bethlehem was known for one main industry, shepherding. Bethlehem, still to this day, was known as a key place for raising sheep. And so the temple contracted with the shepherds of Bethlehem and said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay you to raise sacrificial sheep. Everybody with me? Just kind of look, amen. amen. I'm just telling you, this is the, this is the Palm Sunday story. So, so they said, we're going to pay you to raise the sheep. And so the shepherds are raising sheep and they're raising two kinds of sheep. They're raising sheep that are just for slaughter or livestock or meat, or they're raising sheep for sacrifice. And they knew what we've got to do is if it's requirement says it's got to be a perfect lamb. So if it has no spot and if it looks good and it has no imperfections, that could be a, that could be a Passover lamb. So we've got to mark those. And they would mark them as soon as they were born. And, and here's an interesting thing is here's how they decided to mark them. They decided that when a lamb is born and the lamb seems to be perfect and could work for a Passover lamb, they would wrap it in cloth. Now, not just any cloth. Back over at the temple, they're wearing priestly garments that had been sanctified. They were holy garments. But meanwhile, they're slaughtering animals all day. And when they were through with their garments, when they had worn them out, they wouldn't discard them because they're holy. They wouldn't put them to goodwill because they're considered holy. So instead, they repurposed them. And the priestly garments that were used would go to the shepherds in Bethlehem. And when a sheep was born that was considered a sheep that was worthy of Passover or worthy of sacrifice, they would, here's the phrase they would use, they would swaddle the lamb in these cloths and then lay the newborn lamb in a manger. See, you got to know that because if you know the story, how our author and perfecter doesn't waste anything, now you can appreciate that at Christmas time, when the angels appeared to the shepherds of Bethlehem, the angel said, this will be a sign for you because you'll get it. You'll understand this. You're going to find a child wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. In other words, you're going to see what you've seen before. This will mean something to you that it may not mean to anybody else. You're going to find the child wrapped in swaddling clothes. God doesn't miss a trick. He doesn't miss a trick. So so here's the challenging part. Is you couldn't show up to Jerusalem at Passover and, and, and just take any lamb. You had to pick a lamb, but religion, the law, that's what religion is, it's rules, Religion said you had to know that lamb. It actually said you had to love that lamb. See, religion always has technicalities. I'm so glad this is not religious life church. I like it being Christian life church. In fact, we could put another sign up there that says no perfect people allowed here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for the other crowd. I don't mean you. I'm talking about for the first service, second service crowd. No, no perfect people allowed there. 
Yeah, yeah. So, but religion is technical. And religion says you've got to love that. You've got to, you've got to have a bond. You've got to have a relationship because the sacrifice must come from your heart. If you remember King David, one time he had a guy offer him a piece of land. He said literally, hey, you don't have to buy it. I'll give you the land and you can offer sacrifice there. And David said, no, 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 no. I will not offer to God anything that doesn't cost me something. It's got to cost me something. You don't tip God. You don't just, no, no, he, he wants your best. He wants your best. So, so here's what happened. I read to you that word got out. The Passover crowd was already there. The reason why they were already there is even though Passover is on Friday, you had to get to town early because you had to go get your lamb because it required rules were you needed a minimum of three days to bond with your lamb. So you literally would buy the lamb at the temple take it to wherever you're staying and everybody in the family had to touch it, get to know it, feed it, name it fluffy, (laughs) play with it. You had to love your lamb. You had to love your lamb. You you had to attach to it. It'd be a lot easier to say, I'll take that lamb. I don't even want to meet it. Just take it, sacrifice it. You know, that that didn't call. You, You had to love your lamb. Passover, shepherds raising, the temple making money, people coming to town, people buying lambs, people learning to love their lambs. You see how God doesn't waste anything? He doesn't waste one part of the story. Everything matters. So what is Palm Sunday? What's today? What's this all about? Let me tell you. Palm Sunday was actually the day that the shepherds in Bethlehem made the five and a half mile trip and brought the sheep through the sheep gate into Jerusalem so that people could buy them that week. Today was the day of the procession of the lambs. Today was the day of the parade of the lambs. This was the day they brought the lambs that were going to be slaughtered. Jesus didn't randomly say, this might be a good day. He chose the day of the procession of the lambs to say, I'm going to have my own procession. Get me a donkey that no one's ever ridden, and I'm going to fulfill Zechariah's prophecy, and I'm going to ride through the city. And just like everybody's lining up to watch all those sheep, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world comes riding in. And he's riding in. And whatever street over here at the sheep gate, they're looking at sheep and babies are saying, Daddy, I want that one. Let's let that one be ours. And they're, they're eyeballing and determining which sheep will be our Passover sheep. Jesus rides into town literally hoping, choose me, choose me. Let me be your lamb. Love this lamb. Get to know this lamb. Call me what you want to call me. I am the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Oh, God doesn't miss a trick. You you can't make this stuff up. God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste anything. See, it was mandated that the sheep were to be brought to the city the first day after the Sabbath before Passover. So Sabbath would have been yesterday. Passover's this coming week. Today's the day. The procession of the sheep. Today's the day. And Jesus rides in on a donkey as the other option 
for a lamb. You got to get this, this parade of lambs that all these sheep born in Bethlehem (laughs) who have been wrapped in swaddling cloths are now for, they're born for one purpose. I'm going to sacrifice myself for for the, for the Howard family, for the McCain family, for the the Lee family, for the Fluitt family. I'm going to, I'm going to be sacrificed for that. That's what they were raised for. And while they are doing that, you've got to see who Jesus, John called the lamb who takes away the sins of the world is also parading in. And doing the same thing. Now you know why he wept. When he finished the ride, he wept. And he wept because they began to call out, Hail Jesus, who was going to be our political leader, our military leader. He's going to help us have a coup. And he knew, I just wanted you to pick me to be your lamb. And he wept. He wept. He did something after he wept. He kind of sobered up from that moment. And then he goes to the temple. And he kicks tail. He literally starts knocking over tables. The money changer tables where they're exchanging money. He he starts knocking over all that and told them, you've turned this into a den of thieves. My father said it was going to be called a house of prayer. He's ultimately, here's what he's doing. He's busted in and what he's letting them know is business as usual is over. The sheep selling business, the sacrificial sheep selling business is done because I am here. You're out. From here on, this is null and void. You're out of business. In fact, John 10, Jesus declared at one point, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. I'm the gate. Talking about the sheep gate. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I'm not just the gate. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So Jesus is saying, D, I'm all the above. I'm the gate, I'm the sheep, I'm the priest, I'm the sacrifice, I'm all. I'm your shepherd, I'm everything you need. Come on, he's all you need. Man, 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 you don't need to save all your eggs to Easter. We need to crack some open this afternoon and celebrate Palm Sunday. That's the procession of the lamb. He's letting them know that sheep gate is null and void from here on. I am the gate. I love that. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is now in the procession as the lamb. <laughs> now, can I, can I give you a couple more stories about Palm Sunday? Because that's the, today's message is called Palm Sunday. So a couple other things. Thank you. As... As the procession of the lambs has taken place, I picture it like sitting up here, because literally they would come in the sheep gate and they would come just imagine, literally think of South by Southwest, Sixth Street slammed with people, and then a herd of sheep coming through. <laughs> that would not be the weirdest thing you ever saw on Sixth Street. It probably wouldn't make your top 10. But as all these sheep are coming through, at a high place was the priest and the Sanhedrin and the high priest. 
And they're watching all the procession of the lambs. And they're eyeballing. One thing they're doing is making sure that everyone that comes is sacrifice worthy. That they're all spotless, good. But they're also looking for that one who has the it factor. That, that special. That one that just stands out above the rest. And they would spot it and agree and then they would mark that one is not for sale And that lamb became known as the Paschal Lamb. The Paschal Lamb. Now, Passover day happens on Friday. The temple opens and here comes everybody with their lamb that they've learned to love. And they begin sacrificing lambs all day long, all day long, all day long, all day long. It's, again, it it is messy. Religion's always messy. Religion's always messy, and it's never enough. It's just never enough. It's just never enough. And and they're going through that and going through that, and then at 3 p.m. sharp, they would bring the last lamb, the Paschal lamb, who was considered the it factor lamb, and the priest would take that lamb as the grand finale sacrifice. He would cut its throat And as it was dying, he would declare, it is finished. And that meant the end of Passover till another year. And God, our author and our perfecter, who doesn't waste a thing, took a lamb who was perfect. He had the it factor. He was all it. He was it. He was all God, all man, all lamb, all lion. He was everything. He was the gate, the shepherd, the sheep. He was all that. And he hung on the cross and Jesus took on the role of the high priest and declared for everybody at 3 p.m. on Friday, he said, it is finished. Boom. The Paschal lamb, the perfect lamb. Once and for all time, no longer do we need sheep or doves or anything else. It is finished. Everybody knew what he was saying when he said that. Oh, come on. That's my Jesus. The author, the perfecter of our faith. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. <laughs> I love it. Now, let, me, let, me, let me close with this if Randy will come. So you had to love that lamb. So when it came to Passover and you brought your lamb in, it was the head of the family who would represent the family. So if it was the Jenkins or the Davenports or the Rodriguez's or the Greens or the Johnsons, some, somebody representing the family would come in and, and I kind of envisioned them with, if it were my family, it'd be me with the lamb over my shoulder. We've, we've not had him for at least three days. Everybody's pet him, played with him, fed him, attached to him, learned to love the lamb. Pastor Jay will turn that into a message. Learning to love the lamb. I'm not there yet. Well, you walk in with that lamb and you come up to the priest 
And it was the moment of truth because now religion and the law said it had to mean something to you. So when you would come up with your lamb, you'd look at the priest and the priest would look at the head of the house and Brother Royce, he'd ask you a question. Here's the question. He'd look at you on behalf of the Lee family and ask, do you love your lamb? And you'd have to answer, yes, I love this lamb. And then the priest had to determine, was that from the heart? Did you mean that? And, and if he didn't think you meant it, he'd give you another chance. He'd ask again. He'd say, Royce, do you, do you love your lamb? And, and, and you, you could answer, yes, I love my lamb. They had, they had a three-strike rule. If he wasn't committed, he could ask you one more time. He wouldn't touch it. He wasn't going to touch your lamb yet. wasn't getting to the priest yet. He'd look at you one more time and ask, Mr. Lee, do you love your lamb? And the, you had three chances to say, yes, we have, we have attached. We love this. We care. Then he'd say, I'll take that lamb. And then you could watch that lamb go and be sacrificed. Does this ring any bells that after Easter, after Jesus had literally been to hell and back and had the keys to prove it, after 11 of his own disciples had turned their back on him, Peter had cussed and denied and ran away from him. His own siblings, Jesus' own half-brothers, Jude and James, they're not there, just John and Mama. And after all of that, now Jesus is resurrected and people can see the nail prints in his hands and touch the scar in his side. He is, he is all God now. he and Peter run into each other on the shore and Peter who had denied him and ran from him in his worst dark day Jesus who's all lamb all priest all he's just all that looks at Peter and just asks him one question Peter do you love me do you love your lamb now, that love word is an interesting word, just like it is in our language. We, how many of you think we overuse, we, we overuse the word awesome and we overuse the word love? In one day, I can say, I, I love March Madness. I love Austin Pizza Garden. These are true statements from my heart. I love Austin Pizza Garden. I, I love the masters. I love sweet tarts. And babe, I love you. Wait a minute, you're saying you love me like a golf tournament? You love me like a slice of pizza? You love me? No, no, no. It means different things. It means different things. Well, in this discourse between Jesus, it's in John 21, Jesus and Peter when Jesus looks at Peter and says, do you love me? Well, you know, this is translated from the Greek. What Jesus asked him, he said, Peter, do you agape me? Which is unconditional love. You can't, you know, no matter how far you run, it's like the song, song, no mountain you won't climb up. 
There ain't nothing you won't do. It's unconditional love. When you're unlovable, I love you. When you hurt me, I un, agape, agape, agape. And Jesus said, Peter, do you agape your lamb? And Peter responds, same word love, but a different meaning. Peter says, Lord, I, I phileo you, which phileo is where we have the city of Philadelphia. That's the city of brotherly love. So when Jesus said, do you love me unconditionally? The best Pete could come up with is, I love you like a brother. So Jesus knows the rule and thinks, well, we got two more shots at this. So he asked him again, Peter, do you agape me with unconditional love? And Peter I think he's totally sincere, but I think he's just totally confused. Looks back at Jesus and says, you, you know, I, I phileo you. I, I love you like a brother. There's only three, three strikes. You're out. So Jesus has that third time. And Jesus, oh, what a savior. Looks at Peter and says, Peter, phileo me do you love me like a brother and Peter responds Lord you know all things you know that I love you and then Jesus says let's get on with feeding my sheep I want you to understand this Jesus lowered expectation he, he, he literally just blessed the best Peter could give even though it really wasn't what Jesus wanted oh what a savior oh what a savior because you're in church today saying hey I'm here because I believe in him that's awesome he doesn't want you just to believe in him he wants you to know him he wants to know you he wants to do life with you and he's asking the same thing do you love me and some of you are saying agape uh, unconditional but there are some here saying uh, brotherly and he's saying I'll work with that I paid too big of a price not to take whatever you can give me because you give me what you got and let me work with it and I'm the author and the perfecter. I'll recycle that. There's going to come a day you're going to love me unconditionally. You're going to figure out what grace is and what new mercy is every morning. You're going to come to a point where you will recognize it. But I know what you're going through now is so great that you can't quite get there. That's all right. I'll meet you where you are. Oh, what a Savior. Stand with me. I want to give an invitation. Literally, an invitation to the front. Even those in the balcony to come to the front. For anyone who says, I, I, I don't know that I can say agape right now because if you knew what I'm going through, it's tough. I get that. It's going to be tough alone or it's going to be tough with God, but you stand a better chance getting through it with God who always causes us to triumph. I just want to invite you that if you want to acquaint yourself with him, if you want to meet him and know he'll meet you where you are, just come as close as you can to the front. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Now, again, there's no perfect people allowed here. The journey you're making, others have made or need to make. 
Every one of us here had to have an occasion where we came face to face with Jesus. And notice he doesn't ask about your sin, your betrayal. He doesn't ask you, do you think you deserve this? He's simply going to ask, do you think you can learn to love the lamb? Can you learn to love me? Because I love you unconditionally. While you are yet a sinner, I love you. In fact, I paid the ultimate price for you when you didn't even know who I was. That's how much. Get this. He wanted to be chosen. Meanwhile, he's already chosen us. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, what I want to do is I want to lead you in a prayer. And then the prayer team's going to come and pray with you as well. Because I'm going to tell you about Christian Life Church. We do life together. You don't have to do life alone. You don't have to carry whatever you're carrying in your heart alone. you got brothers and sisters here that will shoulder the load with you. They'll shoulder the load with you. But I want to ask you to pray with me. I'm asking everyone else to participate as well. Faith comes by hearing. Let them hear you. And let's pray this together. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. All God and yet all man. And living a life knowing you were the sacrificial lamb. I believe you died for my sins and paid the price. So I'm going to confess now. I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Fill me with your spirit. From this moment forward, I want to know what love is. Your love. Unconditional love. In Jesus' name, I commit my life to you. Amen which means so be it, so be it. Prayer team's coming. Everybody who's here, we want to pray with you. We want to strengthen you. We want to bless you in prayer. This is Palm Sunday, the procession of the lamb. He is here, our Paschal lamb, and he paid the perfect price. Let us pray for you and let us bless you. God bless.